Well, Happy New Year again to you. Thank you for uh, being here. It's always great to be able to say, hey, you know, I'm 100 for 100 when it comes to going to church in this new year, right? Uh, and so I appreciate you being here today. I hope you enjoyed time with your family. Um, we got to enjoy our family. Uh, here's a photo, a picture uh, of our family. There we go. And uh, that was the best one. That was the one we couldn't get Eliana to uh, pay attention over here, but she did good. And I have most of my family here today. Eliana's sick, so her mom, Erin, is not here with us, but I'm glad to have my family. And I hope you survived your family as well. So I remember um, as a kid, uh, I learned to play baseball. And uh, one of the rules that was driven into your head in regard to baseball was what? Keep your eye on the on the ball, right? Because um, what we focus on will determine whether or not we're going to catch the ball or we're going to hit the ball. Um, I remember when I was uh, 14 to 15 years of age um, being taught how to drive a car, and one of the rules that my parents hammered into my head in regard to driving the car was to keep your eyes on the road, right? Keep your eyes on the road because what you focus on will determine whether or not you're going to be safe or not be allowed to drive your parents' vehicle for a long time. We took, uh, so we took many hikes when our kids were little growing up as we go, went on vacation. They're famous for a variety of reasons, but I remember this one. Um, our kids were pretty young, probably grade school age, and uh, we took this hike, and it was way up to this pass that we wanted to get to, but it was a really hot day. The kids were a little bit young. It was a difficult hike, you know, and it took us quite a while. And so I remember Patty and I would periodically tell our kids, say, just hang in there, you know, you're, you're going to really enjoy it when you get to the top, you know, because what you focus on will determine whether or not dad's going to have to carry you halfway up the trail, right? But what you focus on will determine whether you're going to stop or whether you're going to keep going when it gets a little bit challenging. And so there's this universal principle that we all kind of understand, and it's simply this, what you choose to focus on will be the difference between significance in our life or frustration in our life. What you and I choose to pay attention to and to keep our eye on, what we choose to focus upon will, will make the greatest difference in our lives. And so this year, we're going to learn to focus each day on Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we're going to discover in our lives some dramatic things happening that maybe we've never had happen before in our life. That we're going to see some things take place within us and around us. That God himself will provide the inspiration and the determination and the persistence because we choose to focus on him. In fact, as I shared at the start of the service from 1 Chronicles twenty two nineteen, he says this, Now devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God. And that's what we're going to do this year. We're going to devote our heart, we're going to devote our soul to seeking after Jesus Christ. And so we begin this year with a series entitled Focal Point. So when it comes to professional photography, you know, a, a photographer always wants to make sure that there's one place that everyone places their eye. There's one place that we really choose to focus on. But there's a variety of ways that you can accomplish that. Um, at least five to create a focal point. You can use color. You can use scale. You can use isolation. You can use pointing. And you can use framing. 
But we're going to use this series to begin this process of learning how can we make our focal point Jesus Christ himself. How can, for some of us, we learn from the, for the very first time what it looks like to, to make Jesus our focal point? And for others of us, how can we develop further this idea of really allowing Jesus to be the place where we fix our eyes, where we focus, where, where we really pay attention to? And so my dream for all of us in this church is that by the time we conclude the year 2020, every single one of us in this church it will be like this year will be a watershed year in our spiritual walk. That we will arrive at the end of this year and you will look back on this year and you will say that because of this moment or because of this time or because of this choice, my walk with Jesus Christ took a step that I didn't even realize was possible. And how will we do that? We will do that by focusing each day on Jesus Christ. So I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. There's Bibles in the seat there in front of you. The page number is in the printed um, outline there. Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to point out something to you today. Many of you use the YouVersion Bible app. It's a great app to use. I use it all of the time. But if you go to the YouVersion Bible app, um, you can now... Um, so I'm using the iPhone. If you go to the bottom right corner, there's three bars there, and you can find an event. And if you enter Wildwood Christian Church, you will be able to find right there all of this going. You can be able to follow along, and that's something that we're going to do for you every single week. The scriptures will be there. You'll be able to use that. For those of you who like old school paper stuff, we're going to continue to have that for you as well. But the idea of this year is that we're going to continue to, tr to provide tools and resources and encouragement and inspiration for you and I to grow in our walk with Jesus Christ. Now, in Hebrews 12, there's a phrase that shows up there. It's called, run the race. Now, in Scripture, there's a variety of metaphors that get, talk about our, our walk with Jesus Christ. And this is one of those, this phrase, run the race. It just simply describes the Christian life, but it gives you a visual picture of the Christian life, right? I'm running the race. Uh, it's, it's this picture. It, it's not an ocean liner where I'm sitting on a chair and, you know, somebody else has taken me to a destination. It is not an all-inclusive where somebody's bringing me a Mai Tai as I'm lounging on the beach, but it is a race. We are running the race, meaning it's a course to complete. You know, there's a goal to reach. And some of us in this room need this picture in regard to the Christian life because we've kind of been either lulled into understanding it a different way, or we've just kind of always understood that the Christian life is just kind of something I go show up and everybody else does things for me, and life is great. But the Christian life isn't something that we just kind of play Jesus together. It's not just something that we dabble with. And so today we're going to use Hebrews 12 to understand a very important key, and it is simply this, what we choose to focus on will determine our destination. And we're going to learn to focus on Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read um, Hebrews chapter 12, um, just the first three verses. So I want to invite you, if you would, stand with me. I'll read it out loud. You can follow along in your Bible, on your phone, your tablet. We'll have it on the screen. Hebrews chapter 12, um, verses 1 through 3. The writer says this, Therefore, 
Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Let's say that one again. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let me pray for us. Lord, today we, we need your help to be able to just clearly focus on you And so through your spirit, Lord, work on our hearts and our minds, the exact thing, Father, that we need. You know it, and you can do that. And so we open ourselves up to you, and it's in your most precious name we pray, amen. You all may be seated. So I want us to begin this journey here in the year 2020 and discover some very basic but key elements in this focus each day mindset. So the very first element is this. We need to learn to eliminate excuses. We need to learn to eliminate excuses. So the writer has just spent this whole chapter before, so chapter 11 of Hebrews, just laying out the concept of faith and giving us example of, after example of people of faith. For example, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, he says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then in verse 6, Hebrews eleven six, 6, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so as you continue to read through chapter 11, which it's a great chapter to read, as you read through that, you see this phrase show up again and again, again and again and again, by faith, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah, you know, by faith Moses. And so the writer is speaking about women and about men of faith who live for God in some of the most difficult of circumstances, who endured so much because they put their faith and they put their trust in God. An example is down in verses 36 and following of Hebrews 11. He writes this, some face jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning, they were sawn in two, they were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. And so when you read the kind of opposition and difficulty they faced because of their faith and trust in God and living for God, it kind of makes the difficulties that I face in my life seem rather insignificant. I've never been sawn in two. Uh, honestly, I, I have never been jeered. I, I haven't been put in chains because of my faith. I haven't been de- um, put to death by stoning. I haven't been killed with the sword. And there's so many more things. And it's like, if they were willing and able to endure all that and keep their faith and trust in God, I can do the same thing. And so then we turn now to chapter 12. He's written all those things, and chapter 12, verse 1, he says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. What he's saying is we have this whole host of people who have gone before us, who because of their faith and trust in God 
They have endured and gone through so many difficulties in their life who have overcome obstacles and temptations that every one of us in this room face. They have gone through battles that you and I have faced in our life, and they've stayed the course, faithful to the end, and it is this cloud of witnesses who surround us and inspire us. Now, the picture a lot of people have is like I'm sitting in a stadium and all these people are in the stands and they're cheering me on. And that may be helpful, but I don't want you to get the idea that grandma's up there cheering you on, seeing everything you're doing, kind of this help for you in your life. That's not this concept at all. In fact, as F.F. Bruce notes, he says, it's not so much they who look at us as we who look to them for encouragement. They provide this example for you and I to stay true as we go through some very difficult times in our life. They provide the understanding that though this race is difficult and challenging, just like they made it, so can you, no matter what it is that you or I face in our life. In essence, what they do is they cause us to stop and to reflect. What excuses am I giving for putting Jesus on the back burner of my life? Now, I know that's kind of an annoying question. I know that that's one of those questions like, yeah, so what conversation was Doug listening to this week that we were having at home, right? What excuse am I giving? I mean, let's, let's just be honest with ourselves. Jesus isn't clamoring for our attention like a cute little toddler, right? When they're hungry, when they're thirsty, when they're sleepy, they let you know that they need some attention. Jesus isn't going to do that. Jesus is going to allow you to be the one to take the steps after him. As, as we talked about last month, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. And that's a picture for people who are followers of Jesus. He's knocking on that door. What excuse am I giving for not opening that door and allowing Jesus fully into my heart and to my life? So what excuse? I don't have time. I'm not a morning person. I'm not an afternoon person. I'm not a night person. The dog ate my Bible. You know, uh, <clears throat> it's just not my personality or my temperament. You don't know what's happening in my life. <clears throat> I like in the purpose driven life, uh, Rick Warren, in response to people who make excuses, he said, he writes this He says, Abraham was old, Jacob was insecure, Leah was unattractive, Joseph was abused, Moses stuttered, Gideon was poor, Samson was codependent, Rahab was immoral, David had an affair and all kinds of family problems, Elijah was suicidal, Jeremiah was depressed, Jonah was reluctant, Naomi was a widow, John the Baptist was eccentric to say the least, Peter was impulsive and hot temper, Martha worried a lot, and the Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Je Zacchaeus was unpopular, Thomas had doubts, Paul had poor health, and Timothy was timid. So what excuse do you have for not doing what God wants us to do? I love what D.L. Moody said, excuses are the cradle that Satan rocks men off to sleep in. And so over the next few weeks, I just need you to understand I want you to show up. I want you to be here. In fact, I really want to challenge you to make a commitment to move to a more um, committed kind of even showing up on Sunday morning. But you're going to get challenged in regard to your walk and your relationship. It's time for us to quit playing at being with Jesus. It's time for us to take serious our walk and our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if men and women of faith stayed focused on God in some of the most difficult circumstances, I need to eliminate those excuses.
No, element number two is I need to make some very essential decisions in my life. I'm a, I, I need to make some important ones. All through our lives, we make choices, right? So this morning, you made some decisions. One decision was, do I get out of bed or do I stay in bed? Obviously, you chose to get out of bed, right? Do I brush my teeth? Do I bother people all day long with my bad breath, right? What clothes do I wear? Do I have toast? Do I have bacon? You know, do I go to church or do I stay home? I mean, every day we make choices and decisions, and most of them, they're pretty mundane. But according to the 12th chapter of Hebrews, there's some crucial priorities that come from essential decisions that you and I make that will determine whether or not we're going to focus on Jesus Christ or not. And so it's like he's saying, as we look to this cloud of witnesses that surround us, that we look to them as an example, there's some challenges placed before us. In essence, some decisions that you and I need to make. Hebrews 12.1, so he goes on, he says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So here's three decisions. Number one, what's hindering your focus on Jesus? What's hindering your focus on Jesus? So he says, let us throw off everything that hinders. So to throw off, I mean, it's a race metaphor, right? And so you step up to the, fin- to the starting gates, and what do you do? You know, you take off your sweats, you take off your, short, your pants, whatever it is, so that you just have the bare minimum necessary. In fact, Olympic kind of stuff back in Paul's day, right, Roman times, they ran buck naked. And so you are literally throwing everything off. Don't keep that picture in your mind, all right? So let's move ahead. So, so you're throwing off everything that hinders. So everything, what does the word everything mean? Does it mean some things or a few things or almost everything? No, it means everything. And so the, this idea of something that hinders, it's a sense that something is so heavy that it's becoming an impediment in your life. It's interfering with your walk, our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so what do we need to do with it? He says we need to throw it off. And so every one of us in this room, myself included, we've got some stuff that we need to throw off if we're going to get serious about our faith and following Jesus Christ. Now the sense here, throw off everything that hinders it's not descriptive of something that's necessarily bad, and that's important for us to get, because if we only think, well, I need to get rid of all the bad stuff, you're going to still get hindered, because there's a lot of stuff in our lives that hinder our following Jesus Christ that sometimes are good things. So what good thing is hindering you from running this race marked out for us? What's a good thing that's impeding your walk with Jesus Christ? What's a good thing that's interfering with you focusing on Jesus Christ? I mean, for me, part of it is just busyness. You know, when life starts getting crazy and busy, and, you know, we've had a lot of good things over the last three weeks, but it's been crazy and busy. You know, and so when I sit down and, you know, do my quiet time this morning, it's been a few days since I have done that, you know, previously. Busy. Comfort is a big thing to me. I like to be comfortable. I like to come home and sit down in my rocking chair and just not do anything at all, right? I like to be comfortable. Watching TV can be something that's okay, some of it, okay, but it can certainly 
hinder, right, our relationship with Jesus Christ. So what is it for you? What is it for you, if you're being honest with yourself, that is hindering your focus on Jesus Christ? Remember, don't give an excuse. We already talked about that, right? So just be honest with yourself. What is it? What's a good thing? But just truth be told, it's getting in the way of my relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to throw it off. The second decision is this, what sin is tripping you up? So what's hindering you? The second one is what's the bad thing? What's the sin that's tripping you up? Because we need to focus on throwing off the sin, as it says, that's so easily entangled. And this word sin, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenging word to talk about. People don't... You, feel like you're being judgmental a little bit, right, when we talk about sin. So this word, so I looked it up, sin means an act or feeling that transgresses something forbidden or ignores something required by God's law or character, whether in thought, feeling, speech, or action. So that's a mouthful, right? Basically, to sin is to commit an act which goes against God's character or God's nature. And this is really important for you to understand Sin isn't just some arbitrary rules that God has made up. All sin is is based upon acts against the character and the nature of God. So, for example, God is love, right? That's God's character. And so whenever you and I make choices to hate someone else, we're dishonoring God and we're rebelling against God's character. That's sin. Any kind of hate for any person ever would fit in that category. God is truth. That's a part of God's character and nature. God is truth. So anytime we lie, fabricate something, you know, fudge a little bit, tell a little white lie, we're dishonoring God and we are sinning against the character of God. God is holy. And so any choice that we make to go against God's holiness is a step against God's character and God's nature. God is grace. So anytime we refuse to extend forgiveness or a second chance to another person in our life, we're dishonoring God. We're sinning against God. All of the commands of God are rooted in the character and the nature of God. And so when I sin, I am acting or feeling or I am speaking in a way that's contrary to the nature of God. And so what the writer is telling us here is we need to throw off the sin that what? So easily entangles. Now, he doesn't really have a specific sin in mind, but what he's pointing out is sin left unchecked that we don't choose to deal with, it tangles us up. So I was walking across the room the other day, and there was a blanket in the middle of the floor, and so I just stepped over the blanket, but my knee doesn't lift my leg up quite like it used to. And I just, I like caught the blanket and stepped forward. And then as I'm walking ahead, the other foot grabs a hold of it. So it's like I almost killed myself on a stupid blanket because it just, you know, I'm walking across the room and just got all tangled up in my legs. That's what sin does in our life. Or if you see a race being run or if you've ever run a race, but it's a big pack of people, right? You're all running together, and all of a sudden this foot gets tripped on that foot, and you get all tangled up, and what happens? Everybody falls. When sin rules in our life, it entangles us. It trips us up. Sin limits the good. 
that God so greatly desires to do in your life and my life. It, it clouds our thinking. It, it demotivates our best efforts. The consequences of sin, when it's left unchecked, it goes deep below the surface. Sometimes it doesn't even show up in ways that you and I fully understand. And when we allow sin to linger, to stay around, to go unchecked, the results in our lives are devastating and long-term. So it's time to do what? He says it's time to throw it off and discard it. And for some in this room, there's some sin that you've allowed to stay around in your life, and it's time to throw it off. It's time to get rid of it. Unconfessed and unchecked sin, it, it's like walking around half asleep. It's like walking around in the darkness, and I don't even know that it's dark. And Scripture is very serious about the devastating impact of sin in our lives. In fact, Jesus himself said this in Mark chapter 9. <clears throat> he says, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off, or it's better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. I mean, those are stark words and they come from Jesus, from his mouth. And so we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to be honest with God. We need to be honest with at least another trusted friend and say, this is a struggle that I have. This is a sin that I'm wrestling with. As God warned Cain, sin is crouching at your door. And if we're going to learn to focus each day, one of the decisions we've got to make is to throw off the sin that so easily entangles. And the third decision is this, what's discouraging you? What's hindering you, what sin is tripping you up, and what is discouraging you? So we've got this great cloud of witnesses, and one of the things that we need to wrestle with is the things that cause us to want to just quit. And so this phrase, run the race, shows up in this particular passage. So he says there, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us run with what? Let's say that again. Let us run with what? Perseverance. Let us run with perseverance. And so I can picture Paul, you know, this visual um, image of the Olympics. Now, I think Paul would have watched March Madness with me because I think he was a sports nut. I do. Because he writes all this kind of stuff. So I think he's picturing the Olympics. Maybe it's just taken place. I'm not quite sure. Maybe it was the marathon of the Olympics. But he knows that to run the race requires some significant sacrifice. There's some things I got to throw off. But he also knows that it's not just a walk in the park. That it is a race that requires endurance. It is a tough race, and it requires perseverance. Now, I think this phrase, race marked out for us, is a very interesting phrase here. Um, it kind of describes understanding or knowing the course ahead of you. So Kelly, our oldest, she ran cross-country several years in middle school and high school. And one of the practices I remember at least one of her coaches did is they would get there early enough so that they could walk the course. And he would point out, or someone would point out, okay, here's this turn. You need to make sure you don't miss this one. Or, you know, here's a place that it's going to be a little difficult. Or here's a narrow place so the pack may be, you know, really tight. So you need to notice that. It, what it is, it's just knowing and being aware of the potential obstacles that may come our way. Um, marked out here literally means to see what lies before us. 
My problem is I can't see what's going to happen later on today, let alone, you know, two weeks down the road. I don't have any idea what's going to happen. But we serve a God who understands the race marked out for us. God does not hide the reality of the struggles and the difficulties of this life. In fact, he lays out the things that you and I can very expect to face, and that's why studying his word is so very crucial, because it informs us. It notifies us of what is coming ahead. And so when Peter says, don't be surprised at the fiery trial that you're going to be facing in your life, that's God warning us. Things are going to get tough. Or when Paul warns us that everyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. Or even when Jesus says, blessed are the persecuted. What they're telling us, they're informing us, they're talking about the race marked out for us, the things that we're going to expect to face in our lives. And so when we're told to run with perseverance, it's this idea it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult to really live the way that God wants you to live. And so perseverance is this ability to withstand hardships. And it's crucial because this isn't a sprint, but it's a marathon in which we are continuing to be determined. And so there's some crucial decisions that we need to be making. But the final element is really where we're heading in this whole year, and that is simply a clear focus. This is the priority for us in 2020, that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. He says that in verse 2 there, right? He says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of the faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So if we're going to finish this Christian life, we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. And here's something interesting. This is more about the race than it is about the prize. This is more a picture about the race than it is about the finish. Now, other places in Scripture talked about having our eyes on the goal, but what he's saying here is don't have your eyes on the goal, have your eyes on Jesus Christ. And why would we have our eyes on Jesus Christ? Because as he says there, he is the pioneer. He is the perfecter. The pioneer meaning he's the one who leads the way. He went first. And he is the perfecter. He's the one who shows us how it is that we can live this particular life. He showed us the way. He provides us the insight. And so it is an intentional choice, not only to rid ourselves of things that can hinder us and trip us up, but it's an intentional choice to look away from the things that distract us and look to Jesus Christ. Ultimately, Jesus is the one who completed for us on the cross, you know, the pathway to heaven before we couldn't even ever get there. He removed all of the obstacles, and then he says by his death on the cross, here you can have salvation. And so the writer goes on in verse 3. He says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him. Reflect upon him and what he did for you and for me. So what does it look like to fix our eyes on Jesus? What does that look like, to fix our eyes on Jesus, to focus each day? That's what we're going to learn together over this year. 
for some things that we have in mind, but there's a lot of things that we're, we're not quite certain about yet, and we're going to continue to do that. We're going to talk about it as leadership and as staff. We're going to be talking about it in some of our small groups. We're going to talk about what does that look like, but at the heart of it is to have a focal point that has Jesus in its center, that we continue to look to Jesus Christ and it's going to show up, I think, in a lot of different ways in our heart and our lives. But I think it begins with a commitment to say, you know what? This year, I'm going to focus on Jesus every day. I'm going to figure out what that looks like. I'm going to make that kind of a commitment. And at its core, it's really a decision of priorities, isn't it? It's a decision to say, I got a lot of good things and a lot of important things in my life. But I'm going to make focusing on Jesus the most important thing and we want to be by your side to help you do that we want to create a place where you got the tools and resources the encouragement and the help to be able to do that and i don't think it's as much specific habits though i think that that might be a part of it as it really is just a focused mindset that i recognize that jesus is there just as we need air to breathe we must learn that we need jesus christ to focus each day on him. So Harriet Tubman was a spy who, even in moments of extreme danger, exhibited nothing but raw, calm courage. She was, she was born into slavery in the 1820s. She was almost killed by her master who threw, threw a metal piece at her head. Um, she staged a daring escape in 1849 and spent years rescuing hundreds out of slavery. Her code name was Moses, and it says it was because she never lost a single escapee. In fact, during the Civil War, she became a secret agent for the Union Army, working behind lines to be able to scout out the territory. But she was a devout follower of Jesus Christ. In her biography, it talks about she spent much time learning, memorizing, and meditating on various verses in the Bible, such as one of her favorite, Isaiah 16, 3, hide the fugitives, do not betray the refugees. But as she pondered these passages that she was learning, she turned them into prayers, and in prayer, she learned to practice God's presence, to focus on him. She said, I prayed all the time about my work everywhere. I was always talking to the Lord. When I went to the horse trough to wash my face and took up the water and hands, I said, oh, Lord, wash me, make me clean. When I took up the towel to wipe my face and hands, I cried, oh, Lord, for Jesus' sake, wipe away all my sins. When I took up the broom and began to sweep, I groaned, oh, Lord, whatsoever sin there be in my heart, sweep it out, Lord, clear and clean. She's a part of that cloud of witnesses. Somebody who went before us and who endured so much and yet kept her faith strong in Jesus Christ. So what will you do to focus each day on Jesus? I think it begins really in a sense with just kind of drawing a line in the sand and just simply saying, I'm done playing at following Jesus. I am committing to him today. When we choose to fo what we choose to focus on, it's going to make all the difference in the world. And I want to challenge you to focus on Jesus Christ.